We always talk about the importance of recovery after our training runs. One of the products that we love to use to help with our recovery are our Lily Trotters compression socks. What do compression socks do? Compression socks can help reduce swelling, improve circulation, and reduce muscle soreness in your feet and legs. So we put them on after our long runs, after our hard workouts, or just when we're feeling like we need that little extra bit of recovery. Check out the stylish line Lily Trotters at www.lilytrotters, that's L-I-L-Y-T-R-O-T-T-E-R-S dot com. And you can use the code RFF20 for a discount. While we pay a lot of attention to the shoes that we wear during our runs, what we put on our feet after our runs is just as important. That's why we love UFO's recovery shoes. As a recovery product, UFOs absorb 37% more impact than traditional footwear, which helps your feet, your ankles, your hips, and lower back recover faster. So while slipping into your favorite pair of UFOs after a hard workout gives you that ooh and ah feeling, you can wear them all day long. We wear ours around the house, while working from home at our stand-up desk, or even out and about running errands. Check out the UFOs line at www.ufos.com. We love sharing tips about our favorite running gear with our podcast listeners. One of our favorite running items for as long as we've both been running are our spy belts. Our spy belts, small personal instrument belts, are perfect for carrying anything small with you on your run. That could be your nutrition, your phone, your keys. The best part is that they don't chafe and they don't bounce around. So you don't have to worry while you're on your run. Check out Spy Belt at spyspibelt.com. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Julie. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. I'm, you know, it's funny you think back to uh, this time last year, we, we weren't going through this, but two years ago, you know, June is usually madness for, for us personally as parents, um, you know, the end of the school year. And it's, I'm starting to remember what it was like, even though last year we, we didn't have it. And I'm sort of wishing for last year a little bit. It's everything's picking up again. It's been really nice to be able to get back out and, um, and do things. And I know um, your kids and my kids both together are now um, pretty much my kids have their second vaccine today. So they'll be fully vaccinated soon. So it's been nice to get out back out and about again, but man, it's hitting me hard with all the end of school busyness. It's crazy. Oh yeah. I have missed emails. I, I think my brain's on overdrive and I, I usually don't miss emails, but apparently there were several administrative important emails that I missed and missed a deadline for um, my kids sleepaway camp. And unfortunately they, it was forgiven, but I I just, I don't know. I think I have a little bit of um, brain fog and I don't know if other people feel this way, but perhaps it's just finally processing what happened over the past 15 months. And I was in such, like, I had a lot of adrenaline. I feel like during the last year and a half to sort of keep everything and everyone on schedule and as content as possible. And so I feel like now that things are opening up and our lives are returning somewhat back to what we were used to before the pandemic, I don't think my brain's caught up and I think I'm still processing. I don't know if that makes sense at all to you. But I feel like it's a little just... For me, it's rustiness. Like I'm not used to the, the, the craziness and, and keeping up with everything. And all of a sudden here it is. And, and along those lines, the 
races are back. And then we're starting to see a lot of announcements that races are back on the calendar and registration opening. We just had um, a couple of days ago, registration open for our local parks half marathon, which we're so excited to see back on the calendar. Um, Cherry Blossom 10 miler in our area, which was typically in April was postponed this year to September 12th, which is, um, you know, is, is going to happen. And all these races are coming back up on the calendar. And uh, that I think is also um, for us, at least, you know, we're getting a lot of calls from runners who are now excited to start training for something who maybe you know, took a little break over the pandemic. And uh, it's um, but races are back on the calendar. And I think now we're having to shift our mindset back to um, kind of pre-pandemic normalcy. And and for me, that's a little I'm just rusty at it. It's just hard. It's hard to make that trans. I'm slow to make that transition. Same here. I'm glad to hear I'm not alone in, in that feeling because I thought, is there something wrong with me? Should I be more enthusiastic? Because right now I just feel like I'm in a fog, but that's good. I'm I'm not happy you feel the same way, but I'm happy I'm in good company. It makes me feel better. But, reassuring. Um, it's reassuring. Reassured. Yes. Thank you. Well, speaking of cherry blossom and parks, there are a lot of folks listening out there that probably are debating what to do. Should I race both? Should I run both? And what we're telling our runners, if if you are local, even not local, but you are considering signing up for Cherry Blossom and a half marathon two weeks later. Or even or any, any races. Right now, there are so many um, races that are either were postponed or being rescheduled or now or on the calendar ready for the fall that um, I think a lot of people in any part of the country may be facing this um, same conundrum of having a couple of races, big races close to each other that aren't typically close to each other. For sure. So for purposes of this specific issue, we're talking about a 10 miler and a half marathon. So we're not talking about two marathons, two weeks apart. That's a separate conversation. This is just about generally um, those distances. So we are suggesting to our runners that you pick one. You can sign up for both and enjoy both, but pick one to race. Um, Generally, I've been advising people to race Cherry Blossom and run parks more for fun. That's not because parks is, you know, a course that wouldn't yield a PR. We love the parks course, but merely because of timing and because Cherry Blossom is a race that is a fast course and it therefore is hard to hold back at that race. And because it's first, we're just advising runners to race that. And if you feel fully recovered, and some people may, great, we can kind of make a game time decision as to park strategy. But for now, have the mindset that you're racing cherry blossom and running parks. And as it gets closer, and as we determine each runner's rate of recovery and, and set a strategy for parks, we can certainly change that. That is fluid. But it's just that way it allows people to sign up for both, feel comfortable with the decision without running people into the ground. Because after Cherry Blossom and after Parks, there are plenty more races in October and November that we want runners to enjoy. So that is our advice. With respect to back-to-back -back marathons, that is a separate conversation. And we are so happy to address that in another episode. We know there are plenty of people signed up for back-to-back -back marathons. And Lisa, I think we should do, do an episode on that. What do you think? I agree. The only thing I would just add too is that um, you know if you've got uh, races that are close together, like like Cherry Blossom and Parks, that does also give you the ability to change up your plans if it gets close to the first one and the weather doesn't look so great. Like it could still be really warm, uh, you know, for Cherry Blossom in the middle of September versus two weeks later, maybe in the end of September, maybe a little bit cooler. So it does give you that ability if you've got two races that are relatively close to each other to make a last minute decision to change that a game a a race plan and shift it to the other one 
Um, so it's, uh, you know, I think it gives you a little more flexibility, but I think going back to your original point of race one, run one for a training run uh, is, is sort of the best approach. And particularly because I think a lot of us, I'm not feeling this yet, but I think the tendency might be to jump back on the bandwagon, the racing bandwagon wagon, and we're going to have options every weekend in September, October, November, it looks like right now. And, uh, you know, before you know it, you may be signed up for four or five races that are all in the span of six to eight weeks and sounds fun now. And it sounds exciting now, but once you're into it, uh, it can be really, um, draining on your body and it can be, uh, it can be a little bit too much. I know the one year I had a little bit of an injury at Boston was the year that I did Shamrock and then Cherry Blossom and then Boston, which are three big races in the span of a couple months. And it was just a little bit too much for my body. So some people can do that. Some people it's just too much, but I think that's going to be the, the, the temptation now is to sign up for all these great races that are back on the calendar and then look at your calendar and realize, oh boy, I have four or five races in the span of a couple of months or even two races in the span of three weeks. And, um, and then just have to make a decision as to how, what you're going to prioritize. Yeah. Great advice. And speaking of uh, parks, just a shout out, the parks half marathon is a terrific half marathon that runs from Rockville to uh, North Bethesda or Grosvenor. And it's a lovely course. A lot of it is shaded. And uh, for those who live in the Northeast, it's really one of the best half marathons out there. So registration is open. It's parkshalfmarathon.com. And uh, definitely consider, consider registering the date of that race is September 26th. Um, so in addition to that, we wanted to bring up a topic that is a little bit unrelated to running, but can be applied to running. And that is uh, Phil Mickelson. And for those who um, are not avid golf fans, like, like us, we're not avid golf fans. We've noticed this story because it's pretty remarkable. Phil Mickelson at age 50 won the US Open. And what's really remarkable is that just a few years ago, he was overweight, out of shape, and had to petition um, to get into the US Open because he didn't even qualify. But because of his history of being a fantastic pro golfer, they let him in. And I think he was ranked like over 110th, maybe like 115th or something. I don't have the statistics in front of me. Sorry, golf fans. But he was ranked really low. So he could have gone into the tournament saying, well, I'm not going to do that well because I'm ranked low, but I'm just happy to be here. But instead, he went in thinking like a champion. And uh, he did a lot of things on the side, uh, including a lot of strength training. I know there was also some controversy around his diet, but he he found fasting to be helpful to him. He's also someone that he felt like he needed something more regimented to be able to lose the weight. And that worked for him. Um, basically, our everyone knows our take on fasting. And we're not professional golfers to speak of fasting for golfing. But we know for running, it's not necessarily the most effective way to um maintain a healthy and a healthy fueling plan. Back to what he did in addition to strength training, he spent a lot of time on his mental game. So the reason we're bringing this up is because there are a lot of us out there that haven't raced in a really long time and haven't tested our fitness in a really long time. And it's really easy to get to the start line of a race and feel a little down about yourself or say, do I really deserve to be here? I don't know what this is gonna look like today. I think I'm just gonna say I'm happy to be here. But what's, what's the risk of thinking like a champion and putting yourself out there and giving yourself the opportunity to show your best effort on that day? If Phil Mickelson had decided he just wanted to play because he was 50 and he was happy to be there, he probably would have done okay. But instead, he decided to ignore his age, ignore the fact that this had never happened before, and he went for it and he won the whole shebang. 
So take that information and use it as you're thinking about your goals and your fall racing and know just because something hasn't been done before, i.e. not racing after 15 months and a global pandemic doesn't mean it can't happen. Yeah, it's a great story. And I think a a testament to um, really um, visualizing what you put your goals and what you want and not letting anything stand in the way. So that's a great um, and and masters runners uh, being success, masters athletes being successful in their sport, even past their past their prime. And and speaking of masters um, athletes, that just reminded me, we just wrapped up our Montgomery County Public Schools faculty and staff. Um, program that we do. We've done now, I think, seven years, maybe six or seven years. We do a, a spring and a fall semester program. And it's a, one of our favorite programs because it really allows us um, through the wellness department at, at Montgomery County Public Schools to offer for free, um, free of charge to the faculty and staff, uh, MCPS faculty and staff who may not typically have access to coaching or really even to running. It may not be accessible to them. So um, it was, uh, you know, it's one of our favorite programs. We always love to see the improvements throughout the program and the improvements aren't um, somebody, you know, qualifying for Boston or the achievements aren't somebody qualifying for Boston or running their first marathon or um, it's, it's people who just weren't taking time for themselves or didn't have the, didn't think they had the time or the ability to to get out and and achieve something for themselves doing that and seeing progress. And we often get emails from, from uh, participants in that program saying like, Hey, I, you know, I went from never getting off my couch to being able to run continuously and I feel so good or I did something for myself this semester when I've been really stressed with distance learning and it's it's so nice and we always do a time trial at the very beginning of the program and a time trial at the end of the program we don't always do it but especially during the pandemic when we haven't had races we've done a time trial at the beginning of the program and the end of the program um, and, and everybody who at least submitted their times to us improved and our top three improvements in terms of percentage were all masters women participants. So masters being 40 plus. Uh, and we have all ages, all genders, all backgrounds, all demographics participate. And these just happen to be our, the biggest improvement were from um, three women who are all over, um, two, I think two were in their fifties and one was in her forties. Um, so I think that's just a good, great testament to, again, never too late to, to make improvements and whatever those improvements are. They didn't, they weren't running, you know, five minute miles in the end they were, but their improvements were huge. They had, um, one of them had like a 25% improvement in her, in her mile time. One of them got her mile time down from 1040 to 850, which is a huge improvement. Um, so I thought that was really, uh, we will look forward to doing that program again in the fall, uh, but that was a really good program to wrap up. And at the same time, we wrapped up our speed and strength program. And again, saw improvements across the board. Um, some of those were really fast in the end. And even those that weren't had very significant improvements. So that was great. And we are getting ready to start our um, RFF to BOS run farther and faster to Boston online training calendar coming up and we have a good group of, from all around the country signed up already so very excited to have that group joining us and we are kicking off that program uh, later in June you can still register on our website runfartherandfaster.com if you go under programs you'll find RFF to Boston program and there's a link there or you can go straight to the registration page and register for that it is a online calendar with um, support from us through um, weekly calls or periodic calls throughout the, throughout the program. We'll have um, be able to talk to everybody about getting ready for Boston. And we've really designed the program based on our expertise of having completed now, I think 27 Boston marathons together, our collective expertise of, of you know, what does it take to train to have a successful Boston? And then not only that, but during, throughout the process, 
how do we prepare uh, to, to run to run Boston? And, and it's going to be a little different this year because it's in the fall and we're training over the summer. And we're hoping that our knowledge of just Boston and having trained for Boston will help us make those adaptations to help runners have a, have a great race in, in October. Yeah, for sure. And as you mentioned, registration remains open. We certainly welcome more runners. We feel like the more the better for this program because it provides a lot of different viewpoints and runners. And it's kind of like a team and we'll all meet up in Boston uh, in October and, and get to meet each other in person. So we're really excited for those who've registered already. And, and we encourage those who are thinking about it. If you have any questions, please send us an email at julianlisa at runfartherandfaster.com. We received a few questions and we're always happy to answer those about the program. So next up, we are very excited, speaking of the Boston Marathon, to welcome a phenomenal woman who um, was kind enough to speak with us uh, kind of late at night. She's a teacher and she's very busy and she took time out of her busy schedule at the end of the school year to speak with us. Her name is Kim Van Acker. She has run the Boston Marathon twice and she represented Highlands um, as one of their uh, ambassadors. And Kim has a just a wonderful story and it's all about setbacks and grit and determination and she just has a lot of great nuggets of advice within this interview and such a she's such a bright light and a positive person and it was so fun to talk with her and we know that um, anyone who listens to her story it will resonate with so many people we've all struggled with certain setbacks and we've all um, worked really hard to achieve goals and uh it's all of that in this conversation, and, and we really enjoyed speaking with her. So again, her name is Kim Van Acker, and she's going to be up next. Definitely don't miss this interview. You will love it. And before we go, we just want to announce the winner of our contest this week. Five Belt Ufos and Lily Trotter's Compression were kind enough to contribute to a giveaway package, and we are throwing in a Lululemon gift card as well. We asked a uh, people to share who has gotten them through their running during the last year and a half. And uh, we randomly picked the winner is Sarah Turner. Uh, we reached out to you, Sarah, if you're listening, and we asked you for your email address, your mailing address, and we'll be sending out some goodies. Uh, stay tuned for our next contest, which will be coming up next month. And as always, thank you so much to our sponsors, Spy Belt, Ufos, and Lily Trotters for sponsoring that. So Lisa, I hope you have a great week. Thanks, Julie. Hope you have a great week, too. Bye. Bye. Kim Van Acker, welcome to the Run Farther and Faster podcast. We are so excited that you're joining us today. You have a terrific story, and we know our listeners will really enjoy getting to know you with us, and we're excited to get to know you. So, Kim, to kick us off, why don't you share a little bit about your personal background, including who you are your family, uh, where you grew up, your career, and uh, just a little bit about who you are as a person. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is really just crazy. Um, I'm just a regular person, to be perfectly honest. Um, I'm from Virginia. I'm, I was born and raised in Virginia, Southern Virginia, in a little little town. It borders North Carolina and Virginia. South Boston is where I grew up. Um, I went to college in North Carolina. I ran track at Elon. I ran track in high school. And that's kind of where the running bug kind of took shape for me. Yeah, I just, I'm just really a regular person. I teach, I run, I am a coach's wife. I'm a boy mom. And 
yeah, I, that's that's Kim, Kim Van Acker. <laughs> so first we have to just back up to Elon. My, my sister went to Elon and Julie's son, I know, is Julie's son is checking out colleges and um, is checking out Elon. So what? we are both familiar with Elon and fans of Elon. What year did you graduate? I graduated in 2004. Okay, so a little bit, you're a little bit younger than my sister, but okay. um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's a yes. be beautiful campus, such a beautiful it's, campus and great it's, school. It's crazy. It's grown so much in the past. Yes. Oh my gosh, almost 20 years, so. Yeah, my sister was there in 1996 to 1998, because she ended up transferring to Maryland up here, but um, okay. she loved oh, Elon, and um, it's so different than she always says it. So it, I think it was actually Elon College. College. Then. Mm -hmm. So yes, it was Elon College at the time. So It was Elon um, College my first, my freshman year, and then the transition happened sophomore year, so. Yeah, it's changed a lot. So, yes. so tell us, you started running there, and how did you, over the years, transition to running marathons? Because now you're marathoner yeah uh, your Boston Marathon finisher we'll get to that later but how did how did you get into marathons um I I knew I wasn't going to the Olympics and so that was kind of like the biggest thing and I was totally fine with that I was a 400 runner four by four I was a sprinter so there was nothing in my bones that spelled out the distance by any means <laughs> um I got demoted from the the four by four in high school because I, I just was sucking air on the last lap of the indoor relay. And so I got pushed to the 800, which ended up being a good fit for me, but that's a fast race in college. And so I, um, after college, just wanted to run casually and just would jog a little bit here and there, nothing fancy, not really consistently. Um, and when I first took my first teaching job in Southwest Virginia in Grayson County, I also took a coaching position. And so that was really cool because I knew I wanted to coach. I thought it would be a really great opportunity. And so part of that was running with the girls and that kind of helped me a little bit. They were some pretty fast girls and very mountainous there. So it kind of was the best of both worlds, kind of getting conditioned and scenic views in the hills. So I, I, I think now to some of the people that I know that live there still, and I'm like, there are trails there that look like this. What? And so I'm always like, when can I go back? Um, but I still wasn't really running far. Like I was just maybe three miles, four miles max. And then we moved to Newport news and I was really searching for community and looking for a group of people that I could kind of connect with and run with. And um, that, that looked like me. Um, and so that's when I discovered Black Girls Run. And there was a new group that was just, that was, had just been developed right there. And it was like a Newport News, Virginia Beach, Norfolk, Hampton area group. And um, it was in the very early stages. And I reached out to a couple of the people and went to some runs. And that's where I, I met my very first, like my first real running buddy, like my BRF, Iva. And so we would meet and run and I ran my first half marathon in 2011, Rock and Roll Virginia Beach. In the summer before that, or the fall before that, I we gone to watch one of my husband's coaches run it, and I was like, "I'm going to do this next year." Like that was I. I took pictures and I saw the finish, and it was just the coolest thing. And that's when I said in my mind I was going to do it. And I that fe that February I ran like a couple of five Ks and an eight K, and I trained through the summer. And I was like, I want to do it in under two hours. 
and I ran it in like 156 something. And I'm like, this is, this is great. This is amazing. So um, that was the first half. And I think that fall, my friend Iva ran Outer Banks. That was her first marathon. And so I trained with her and she would do doubles and I would just not do doubles, but it was just kind of one of those fun things. So that was where the, the bug really hit. And we made another move um, to Northern Virginia. And that's where I became affiliated with Moms Run This Town. And that that was a big shift in my running because this this community of women of every ethnicity, every background, every age, moms, grandmas, you know, black, Asian, Hispanic, every every kind of person is in that running group, in our group. And um, one of my friends, it, they were like, hey, let's run a marathon. I was like, okay, let's let's do that. This, I'm, I'm very easily influenced when it comes to these kinds of things. And so Outer Banks um, 2014 ended up being my first marathon. And um, somewhere along the way, my husband's like, hey, you should try to qualify for Boston. And I was like, why would you even say that to me? Like, what is this about? Like, I don't even know. I don't know enough about it, you know, whatever. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to train for. And I missed the mark by a lot, which was totally like not going to happen. And um, I was angry. I was so mad when I finished. And it was like one of those big, like, you are such a, you're such a, why are you whining? Like, why are you complaining moments? You know, because you finished a, you finished a marathon. A, like, that's just the goal is to finish. And you finished in 408. And that's like a great time. So it was one of those things where I was like, okay, this is fine. Um, so that, that was the beginning of like this crazy journey towards qualifying for Boston. And um, I went back the next year and ran Marine Corps and I ran in like 354. So, okay, good. I'm under four hours. Awesome. This is great. Um, and so both times training, I think with how he didn't plan, which was awesome because that's, you know, what people were recommending at the time. And after that, I came across an ad for a, a Hanson's ad and I thought, okay, I could try this. I think I'm ready to take it to the next step. And so this was like earlier on in the spring and I read the book from front to back. I highlighted, I took notes. I was like, I really want to be a student to this. And along the way I had, um, I'd started um, thinking about kind of lifting weights and doing different things and yoga and that kind of thing. And so incorporating some of that into the process. And I went into that fall training for this race. I remember one day, um, it was pouring down raining and I was like, okay, I have this tempo workout and I haven't missed any, any, any round, any runs, none of my workouts. And I went and I came back and my husband was like, you ran in this? I said, yep. And I want you to take a picture of me. I was soaked from head to toe. And there were, there were a lot of 4.30 in the morning runs and a lot of, you know, meal prep and some just really intentional thinking about the process and, and mind shift to say, okay, I can do this. I have, I'm ready for this. I prepare for this. I can do it. And, um, the day came and Marine Corps came and I ran a three thirty three thirteen. I think was the time. And I knew it was close, but I also knew I was turning, 
30 something. I was going to be like the next bracket up. So I had a little bit of a cushion. Um, but that waiting period is insane because it was like late 2016. And so then I had to wait until the next fall to register. So I had to watch everybody run this race. And I'm like, it's going to be my turn. It's going to be my turn. It's going to come. And I remember sitting in a training and I'm like, okay, I get to register today. And now I hold my breath for however long, however many days. And getting that email was just kind of the the coolest thing because it was like this celebration of, wow, you did it. Like you actually achieved this goal that wasn't even your goal, but it became your goal. And so it, it was neat. It was just this really awesome, awesome adventure to go on. You did a fabulous job sharing your marathon journey. Um, you made our job very easy. So let's Let's unpack a little bit of this because it's it's really a terrific story. And I think it's very inspiring for runners and aspiring for runners who are seeking to qualify. So first of all, you obviously have a lot of natural talent. You ran in college, but you were a short distance runner. So you transitioned, it seems, fairly well without a lot of aggravation or injury from being a shorter distance runner to a longer distance runner. And then you ran the Outer Banks Marathon and with the two, within two years of running, was it a 408? 408, yep. You, you knocked down, I mean, that's unbelievable. You took basically 30 minutes off your marathon time and ran Marine Corps, which is a little bit of a harder course, I would say, than Outer Banks. Yes. And yeah. you did this, and I love the word you used, very intentionally. So Let's go back a little bit and talk about some of the little things that you did uh, between 2014, if you can remember 2016. And I also want to mention, you're also a mom. So how old were your kids during this time when you decided to start running a marathon? And then when you BQ'd, how old were your, your kids then? So my, my oldest was, we had just moved to Northern Virginia, Mason, my youngest he was born in 2013. So he was just like a little over one um, when I ran my first marathon. And so then that meant Caleb was about, he was five. He was going into kindergarten, I believe. I don't, they were little. And so there was a lot of, you know, getting up early so that I wasn't impacting the evening schedule and I I am a morning runner so it was not a big deal for me I love getting up early and getting it out of the way but I think it just took knowing I'm like I know I have to do this and I want to do this and just kind of shifting my mind to that want to and I get to I think I've had that attitude for as long as I remember I get to run and it just kind of has felt easy to do for me so yeah and what were some of the little things that you did specifically, aside from following the Hanson's plan, which um, share a little bit about your workouts with that. And also, um, what are some of the little things you did that you feel made a difference? I remember starting to keep journals and kind of tracking my workouts. And I know that made that year that I qualified, it made all the difference because I was able to see my progress from the very first week till the end of the cycle. And I was able to go back and look at the way that program is set up. You, it's kind of like a pyramid. And so you build up with certain workouts and you come back down and you repeat them. And I, as a, as a special education teacher, I love data. I love numbers like that drive so much of my instruction. And so 
keeping that journal and, and logging how I felt, what I did, those kinds of things really fueled the process for me. Um, so that was, that was a big deal. And then also just, I don't know that I necessarily dialed in my nutrition as well as I could have, as well as I have in the most, in more recent years. But I do know that the journaling and knowing that, you know, I had to be up at a certain time and getting in the bed and those types of things, the sleep factors, those are, those are big things that helped in that process. So Kim too, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, the groups that you ran with and, and having that support network. So tell us a little bit about how that um, played a role, especially once you started training with that target towards qualifying for Boston. And it sounds like, you know, a lot of it you did on your own and you came up with your own plan, but how did having that support network um, help you in your training and, and, and as resources or as cheerleaders or other people training? How did that play into your training? I think a lot of it too was that there were different pockets of groups, different pockets of people within the group that were also training for marathons or different races. And so while we weren't always doing things together, we were always moving towards the same goal. And so that that motivation and our our, our Facebook group was like our it was lit. Like we were posting runs, everybody and so you kind of you get your inspiration from watching other people get after it as well and so I think that's one of the things that I loved about the group aspect of things with you know black girls run and moms run this town and um the the trail runs there's all kinds of groups in this area um here in northern Virginia that are geared towards being outside and moving your body and being your best person and I've I've loved the the motivation and seeing people just being healthy and achieving their goals and things of that nature. So I think those were things that motivated me the most and just kind of kept me going. And also being able to walk alongside other people, but also being able to be pulled along as well. As I say, one of my other, my good running friends, she's really fast. Like she's like insane. And so I would go and just die on the run with her sometimes. But it also, you know, it, it was like a give and take. It made it made me better. So. Did you have any um, speed bumps along the way? Any challenges during your training for that first Marine Corps? Any injuries, any setbacks or anything that you needed to fight through? Or did you have a pretty good smooth, smooth sailing? I don't recall any injuries. Um, I do just remember being tired a lot and just having um, kind of a... Hungry. and hungry yes and just job changes I know I I um I changed jobs I moved from an elementary school I taught in an autism classroom and I moved back to middle school um that next year so just a job change and like learning finding my way with this new group of people and um adjusting my schedule to that so I think that of all the things that was probably the most you know probably the hardest thing which and looking back was nothing compared to some of the other stuff that happened over the past few years. But yeah, I think it was a pretty smooth first, first time to train. So. Yeah, that's great. So you talked about um, how you had to wait a long time to register for Boston. You qualified um, toward the end of 2016, but because of when you qualified, you actually registered to run the now infamous 2018 Boston Marathon. So oh my God. we've talked a lot about 2018. Um, we both ran that lovely race. Oh my God. So Kim, 
First of all, talk to us about your training for your first Boston, because there are a lot of people listening to this podcast who will be training for their first Boston, or maybe they haven't run Boston in a while and, you know, they, they would love some refreshers. So talk about that. And then we'll, we'll get to that pleasant race that we um, all loved so much. So, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about your training. So I had the distinct honor of being a part of um, the Highlands Homeopathic Medicine, their um, teacher's team. They're all teacher's team. And, you know, I, I put myself out there and I, I applied to be in this campaign and I wasn't expecting to get chosen, um, but it, it proven to be one of the most pivotal things that's kind of happened in my life. Like I think having had the opportunity to run my first Boston with that team and with that company was truly, it was, it was the icing and the cherry and the whipped cream on top of the brownie with the ice, like with all of it. So it was really cool. Just to share with our listeners, what exactly was the team about? You said it was a teachers and um, what is Highlands for those who don't know and, and what did the uh, product? Yeah, so Highlands is a homeopathic medicine company and they have all kinds of products. They were a sponsor at Boston. They are known for their leg cramps and um, their creams. And they, I actually use the, the teething tablets with my, kid, with my kids back in the day. And so this was like way before I knew about their initiatives. And the previous year, they had had an all women's team celebrating, celebrating um, the 50th anniversary, anniversary of KB Switzer's run. And so that was a really cool deal. My friend Dorothy Beal, Milepost, she ran on that team with her mom. And um, when they sent out the campaign info about the teachers, she sent it to me and I was like, ah, okay, I'll, I don't think I'm going to do that. And on a whim, like just in my, off, in my classroom one day on planning, I was like, I'm just going to apply. I'm just going to start typing. It was like one of those Kermit the Frog moments. I'm like, all right, just, just get this done. Get this over with. And I don't even know that I reviewed what I wrote or edited anything. I just hit submit. So I'm like, okay, I did it. I did it. And I walked away. And um, so then I, you know, got a series of emails, had a phone interview and all these things. And I found out, I think after Christmas, I was chosen for the teacher's team. And that just kind of was a really a whirlwind adventure. And um, part of that was, you know, just kind of telling my story that, you know, what I'm doing now. And so we had different assignments and we made different posts and we documented the journey. And I, as a, a pretend photographer, I'm a, I just I call myself pretend, but I loved being able to capture all of those moments because I don't know that any of us could have predicted the race itself being the way that it was. I don't, I just never thought that that's what it was going to be. Like everybody else got a different kind of day. And then we got that day. And so having, you know, my, having my students be a part of the process and, you know, being on the news and just all these things, it was just really crazy. Um, just being able to tell my story of how this thing that I just do, like I just run, like that's, that's what I do. It just become, it became this story. And so I loved having, I go back into the folder now every once in a while, I'm like, Oh, look at this picture. And I had this and I did all these things. So I love those artifacts, but um, yeah, that was, that was cool. But I, I continued with Hanson's. Um, we had coach Mike, he would call and check in with us. You know, we do different, 
group phone calls that was before zoom so now i'm like man this is just what is a phone call now like right like get on a facetime or zoom but we'd you know we had facebook groups and we were in chats and different things of that nature and it was just really neat that before we even got to boston we already had this community of teachers that had this common goal had this shared interest for building other people up in addition to being runners of of all kinds of ranges and so you know Myrna Valerio is on that team and John Ledesic like there's all kinds of people that are doing really amazing things that were doing amazing things before and now just continue to be elevated and I love those people like I we talk literally every day now still and it's it's been really cool to have this network of a family kind of network of people that, you know, I'm kind of stuck with, they are stuck with me, you know, forever. So, so that, that was it. Like I, I kept up with Hanson's uh, early morning training. I, I think the combination of all of the putting myself out there and also still trying to train because the, in the fall of, 2017 I ran Richmond Marathon so I had before that I had always I'd only ever run one marathon a year so it was so 2014 15 16 17 November I ran Richmond and I PR'd I ran a 329 following Hanses and then turned around and ran Boston so I do think I overtrained a little bit I think the combination of the work with telling my story and being on was, as I reflect on that, that was emotionally and mentally exhausting. And then I was running, but I wasn't hitting the numbers. And also back-to-back marathons, like I've never done that before. And so that was a lot. Um, And I think had I gone into Boston with the mindset of just finish, as opposed to trying to run a specific goal, I think that probably would have made it a more enjoyable component of the running piece. But I got kind of got looped into the fast runners group. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not me. I'm not that fast. <laughs> so um, I ended up having to adjust all of my plans anyway. So it's cool. It's all good. <laughs> Didn't we all that year? That was that was the year I still remember Julie and I, uh, you know, the the day before, uh, you know, trying to figure out what we were going to wear and, um, you know, seeing what the weather was going to look like. So talk to us about this year, first Boston and everyone always remembers our first Boston and their perceptions of Boston and, you know, what they were expecting. And it's almost like, you know, you go to Disney World for the first time and it's there you are. So tell us about your experience, um, you know, at the race, like how, how you had to adjust, just talk to us. We, we know what it felt like, but, but tell us in your words, your experience, your first Boston being 2018. You know, the week leading up to it, you know how you, I think everybody knows what the taper feels like. And I remember, I remember walking into the building and walking up the stairs. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so out of breath. Like, what is going on with me? Like, I can't even walk up the stairs and trying to run. And like, I can barely hold nine, nine minute pace. Like what is going on? So like my body was like revolting. And I'm like, okay, this is great. And everybody's like, it's fine. It's nerves. It's the taper. And so 
I get to Boston, we drove up, it was, you know, a great time. We had all these events and things to do for Highlands and the weather wasn't changing. And so I had laid out this little tank top and shorts and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't think, I don't think this is going to happen. I just don't think that's going to work. And I quickly like, you know, pulled the tights and all these other long sleeve shirts and all these things. And, um, we get to the buses and it's raining and I, I just remember the drive to the start and, you know, we're on these buses and it's just not stopping. <laughs> and I remember looking at my phone and one of one of our chapter leader, Trisha from um, Moms on This Town, she posted a picture of the women's start. And it was like all the ladies, all the elite ladies were in jackets and hats and things. And I was like, okay, it's going to be that kind of day today. Um, and so, you know, I felt like I was adequately prepared in terms of clothing. I made the right choice to be in the clothing that I was in. Um, you know, you know, we go through the whole thing and I'm thinking this is, it was just mud everywhere. And it was just trying to get to the start with, without sopping wet, muddy feet. It was just so many things a lot, just to get to the start. It was just to get to the start. And I think you know, the walk, people are like, it's a good mile from the buses to the start. And I'm like, okay, this is true. I remember going through my head, all the things that it, people that had, had gone there, I'd read, had said, and it was all coming back to me. And so when we get to the, the starting line, I was with one of um, the other teacher team ladies, Jessica, and we had kind of like navigated our way to the start. And she took off. I was like, you just go because I, that's not going to be me today. And I remember starting to run and I, you know, I wanted to take it in. I do remember kind of just <sighs> taking a deep breath and just taking in the start because I'm like, this is really cool. Like, this is so awesome. Um, and then I started running and I just could never get going. Like, I felt like I couldn't go. And I just, I don't know how to explain it other than I just couldn't go. Um Holding like a nine, nine fifteen, nine thirty pace seemed like a, a lot of work. Um, and I had historically not gone to had any restroom stops in any marathon, and I pretty sure I stopped like four times. Like it was crazy, um, just because I'm like I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta pee, like I gotta go to the bathroom. So it was, it was nuts. This is, by the way, your story is. It's so many people we know's story. Everyone's bodies reacted differently to this, the just really unique conditions because it was cold, but it was a different kind of cold than the cold we train into the winter. So your body clearly wasn't able to absorb the fluids you were trying to take in and all of your energy was being expended to keep yourself warm. And yeah, so keep going. Just commenting on that you shared the same experience with so many others. I'm glad it wasn't just me because I was like, I, I know, I, I know I feel like I overtrained, but I don't feel like I did that poorly. You know, it was just, I couldn't get going. Um, I think around mile eight was the first stop. And I think it was at mile 14 was my first medical tent stop because I just had this cough that was coming and like my heart was kind of doing this fluttering thing. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to stop. And it was like a scene. I can't, there were so many people in this medical tent stop. It was insane. And I got hooked up to an EKG or like the little, you know, whatever. And 
there were there was this girl who stopped a couple miles before me and she was in a tank and shorts and I'm like thinking to myself made the right decision to not wear that and she's like I just can't go anymore like I can't she had to get on the bus and there were so many people that were like wrapped up and on these cots and I'm like here's the thing I just need you to tell me I'm good because there are people waiting for me at the finish line so once you tell me I'm good, I'm going. I had sent a message to my mom and a couple other people and I'm like, medical tent, I'm good. You know, I'm going to stop or whatever. And so that was the first stop. I stopped four total times along the way. Um, I got soup at one and I got wrapped up, you know, in like 18 foils. I don't know if you've seen that picture on my Instagram. I had like foil from head to toe. And um, the last stop was at mile... Because the, the, when I got wrapped up at full, I, had, I was at the top of Heartbreak Hill. She was like, you, you just have five miles to go. Like, you're almost there. I'm like, oh, that's it. Okay, great. Thanks so much. And um, just five miles when you're like, that's not, that's <laughs> funny. That's just five miles. Just five miles. Um, but there at mile 23, 23 and a half or so, I stopped. I had the worst cramps. Like, uh, it's like I of all the things cramping, my calves just seized at that point. And I got taken into this church and um, they gave me a banana Gatorade or something. And there was a gentleman who had stopped, I guess, at heartbreak at that one too. And from that, that small amount of time, his body temperature dropped such that they wouldn't let him finish. He was so close. And I was like, my body temperature was fine. That, and that was a crazy thing. I had been out there all day long. It took me seven hours to finish. I was like, I'm, I am not getting on the bus. I would, I refuse to get on the bus today. And I don't know how long it's going to take me to get to the finish, but I'm not getting on the bus. Um, but I just thought, man, I'm just really grateful because had my, my body temperature and all of that just maintained, was just regulated, but everything else was shutting down. And so I, at, I left the church and at that point I ran into Myrna and I was like, Oh my gosh, Myrna, I've been looking for you. And this really, really kind lady, she lived in Boston. She had been walking with Myrna. I was like, Myrna, I'm so happy to see you. So Myrna and I like walk ran the rest of the way. And at one point I was like, you know, Myrna, I think it was mile 24. I was like, I got to pee and there's a porta potty, but I'm not stopping. And so I was like, you know, I'm probably going to be a little bit warmer TMI if I just pee right now. And so I just peed my pants and I'm telling everybody. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Kim, do you know triathletes do that in the water in their wetsuits when you get in cold water, they pee in their wetsuits because that pee then warms you up in your wetsuit. So it's, you know, I do what you gotta do, but. So that's not, what I did. That's what I did. And um, we kept going. And so we got to the finish. And I remember taking the right and the left. And it was surreal. And there was no one out there. It was literally like, just a regular day in the neighborhood. Like they were, we were, it was so, it was the end. This is how much at, at the end it was. Like the street sweepers were coming. They were taking down the mile markers. I'm like, I'm still running here. This is, I'm finishing this race. You can keep doing your job, but I'm going to the finish. And so um, coming down that finish, um, I actually saw my, my running buddy ran it that year as well. And she finished well in advance, well ahead of me. And she was coming out of a restaurant. She was like, yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I cramped up. I'm like, just let me get to the finish. Um, 
but they were still there. There were people there with medals and I got my medal and my husband was there. Like he was, they were, they, there were like no people there except for these people with medals. Like my husband was on the finish line. There was a person from Highlands like capturing footage. There were some of Myrna's friends like at the finish line. And you know, that's not a normal thing because you know, you're ushered and there's all this, you know, security or whatever but they were there to finish. And then it started raining again, like this torrential downpour. I'm like, oh my God, can this just be over? Um, but I got my medal and it was just like the hardest thing I've ever worked for. Like I refused to get on a bus. I'm like, I had four medical tent stops. I had every reason to just be like, you know what? It's good. I'm, I qualified for 2019. I'm good. But I did not go to not finish. And so that was like the thing that kept coming back to me. Like I didn't come here to not finish. And so this is what I'm going to do. And it's going to be a time that I never thought I would run, but it is what it is. So that, that was my Boston 2000. That, that is grit. That is the definition of grit. As both Julie and I know what it was like to be out there that day. And it was miserable to be out there for three, four, five hours, to be out there for seven hours and to be able to get back up after every medical tent. I can't imagine getting back and saying, okay, I'm going to get back out there after every medical tent where you had every reason to say like, you're right. So that is, that, that is the definition of grit. And that to me is the spirit of the marathon. That is really, really remarkable. We wanted to take a quick break from the podcast to thank our friends at RNJ Sports for their support. RNJ is our go-to expert on all things running gear related, particularly running shoes. If you've struggled with finding the right shoes, the staff at RNJ can help solve just about any problem or issue. As a small locally owned business, RNJ is heavily involved in and supportive of the local running community. They get runners. They are runners. RNJ has been an enthusiastic supporter of our podcast and our training programs, including our Montgomery County Public Schools program. We are so appreciative of their support. Check them out online at rnj, that's rnjsports.com. And you mentioned that you qualified for 2019. So we hope you went back. We know you did, but you went back in 2019 for redemption, correct? And tell us a little bit about that, how you, you know, the redemption that you got in 2019? 20, 2019 was really sweet because I got to go back. I was like on Highlands legacy team. I didn't have the, I didn't have to do show and tell. Like it was just go run, have a good time. Like we stayed on the other side. We stayed in Cambridge. Like we got to walk around. We got to see a different side of Boston. Took my kids down the, um, over to Harvard, like we were able to just kind of see different things. But um, there, it, it still kind of came with this pressure a little bit, like, I have to do better than last year, like, I, I, I can only go up from here at this point. And so um, it was, I, you know, I still trained. Well, I, I used Hanson's I I worked hard. Like I still did my journaling. I think I did better with my nutrition. I was lifting weights. Like I was kind of a machine and really like meticulous about, you know, meal prep and meal planning and, you know, getting up and running in the mornings and lifting three times a week that those became my staples in that, in that training cycle. Um, but then race day comes and it's hot. 
it was hot 2019. And there was another kind of body shock in a sense, because while I spent all the winter prepping for a certain kind of race, my body had to make another adjustment. And so I think early on, like my first cramp, because, you know, what's a marathon for Kim without leg cramps running for Highlands, you know, like supposed to stop my cramps, guys, it's not stopping my cramps. No irony there. <laughs> none. none. I love them dearly. Um, mile eight was my first cramp. And um, so I'm like struggling. I'm like, great, here we go again. You know, here's this thing that's keeping me, you know, once again, from, you know, achieving this goal. And then I think around mile 16, I saw one of my teammates, um, Sarah, Dr. Sarah, and she was on like the ground, like she was over on the sidewalk. She was having a vertigo spell. And I'm like, Sarah, are you okay? You know, I stopped and I'm like, first of all, this is a teammate. Like, I got to make sure you're all right. And, um, like there was just happened to be like this deli right where she'd stopped and they brought her out some vinegar and like she got up and she kept going and she t we ran a little bit of the way and then she took off because I knew my body was again shutting down like it wasn't doing it was not happening that day and so I think from there I just enjoyed the rest of the race like I was I walked if I needed to I jogged you know I just kind of got to the finish um and it was one of those things where when I finally got to the finish, like I have these pictures, it's just crazy juxtapose of my 2018 coming down the, the, the finish line and 2019. And it's like rainy. My lips are like pale, like my eyes are closed. And in 2019, I'm smiling and like the sun is out. And like, I just, it was really cool. It was redemption in a, in a way that, um, I don't know. It was just really neat. It was really cool. And so did I make my time goal? No. Did I run like half the time? Yes. And so it was like, this is far better than last year. There are actually people here to cheer for me to finish. Like, this is really cool. So um, it was just a really great celebration. Um, I was, I was definitely not satisfied because I felt like I could, I could have done a lot better. And so much so that I signed up for like the CNO canal race like 21 days later which was a stupid idea and but that that kind of sparked my interest to trail run so it was it was kind of cool to kind of get to that point and I won't ever do three marathons in a year ever again yeah everybody has a tolerance and unfortunately we have to kind of test to see what our tolerance is before we realize what you know because especially when you run with a group like you do you see people running several in a row so why wouldn't you think that would be fine for you so yeah but that's you know, props to you, not just uh, for finishing 2018, as Lisa pointed out, but there was probably a lot of um, like feelings of, of post-traumatic stress from that race and then going back on the start line for 2019 and enjoying yourself and, and feeling euphoric about your finish. And while it wasn't the time you were seeking, it still was a very respectable time and you can walk away knowing you conquered something that the year previously had brought you a lot of trauma and grief. So that's, that's really great. So what has your running looked like since um, 2019? Obviously, you know, that was the last Boston Marathon anyone had run in person. And so what has happened since then? And, and how are things going um, as of late? 
Um, so I trained after that um, for Chicago. And that was so much fun. Like that race, I had a coach, Coach Mike from Highlands coached me. Um, I was I was primed to PR that day and cramps happened and my period happened and my body literally just, it was like Iron Man, like when it the light goes off and it just like shuts down. Like at mile 15, I felt my body do this warm sensation. I'm like, what is this? And that was the end of the race for me. Like I 15 was the end of my race. And I, you know, I walked away from that race feeling like both excited because I knew the work that I put into training. Like I, I did some things that I had never done training wise. And I, I was really proud of that, but then also really frustrated. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, I was like on target for PR. Um, but then I had fun. Like there were, there were some grueling moments and I'm like, there's, I just don't quit things. I don't quit things. I will finish. I'll get the medal. It'll be great. And this is what it's going to be. So I trained for that. And then February, 2020 came and I collapsed after being in work for walking in the building five minutes. I had, um, blood clots, pulmonary embolism mm -hmm, in my lungs. And the, the three weeks before I had been running, I, I ran with Dorothy um, on the trail and I progressively started to just kind of slow down a little bit. Like I cannot catch my breath. I can't catch my breath. And I, um, I went to the doctor, we had had an event and um, I went to the urgent care and they're like, oh, it might be bronchitis. I'm like, okay, cool. But there was like one little thing on like my EKG. They're like, you know, your T, your T something is flipped. And they're like, you need to see a cardiologist. And I'm like, ah, I'm not, I feel all right. But then I walked into work. It was the Monday after the Super Bowl, I believe it was. And I, I remember walking up the stairs and I thought, I don't feel well. And I was, I kept going. I'm like, I think I'm about to have an emergency. This is the conversation I'm having in my head. And I get to my room, which was like not very far. And one of the ladies that's, that I kind of co-teach and work with, she said, hey, I said, hey. And I like leaned on this desk and just toppled over. And I came to, and she was like screaming to get help. And I'm like, I don't, did I pass out? I think I just passed out. I've never passed out before. Um, so I get on the phone. I tell my husband, I call the doctor and I go to just my regular doctor. And like, you need to be admitted. I'm like. I feel all right. Like you passed out. So they do all this, the tests. And I had, um, it was lit up like a Christmas tree in there with lots of little blood clots. And I'm like, okay, what does this mean? So there's like blood thinners and there's no running for six months. And I'm like, of all the things you told me, that's the worst. <laughs> what, what was the cause of this? I mean, it's crazy. You're the picture of health and you're, you're young. And so Share with our listeners your symptoms and, and what the cause was just so people can know what to look out for. And to your point, I think a lot of runners are, you know, we're all healthy. We live healthy. So we're sometimes the last people to go to the doctor for symptoms um, because we think, well, I'm a runner. I'm okay. And to your point and what happened to you, I think um, your information could be helpful.
so you know i think it's really kind of um pretty neat that it's a global running day because i feel like in this instance running saved my life because i knew something was off like with my breathing and there was one day in the the week the days before i went out to run and it was like i i took i tried to take a breath and it i couldn't catch my breath and i started to see stars like it was like this constricting feeling in my chest um and it just it was just progressively harder to breathe like as i was running as i was walking upstairs all of those things I, it just it got it was just really hard it was really painful um i ended up having a slew of things to happen um, as a result of that i don't know how long the clots were there but they I ended up having to, you know, see a, a cardiologist and a pulmonologist and a hematologist. I had to do all these things. Um, I have never seen more than like, you know, my OBGYN and my regular doctor and the dentist. And so now I have all these specialists and visits and things to manage um, as a, you know, 37 year old runner. I'm like, dude, I just ran 56 miles last week. Like, what is this? Like, how does this happen? And um, so fast forward six months I was put on like no running for six months that and I, I got to run two months earlier so that was helpful but it was just lots of walking and no strenuous exercise I had to take blood thinners for six months to clear the clots um I saw a cardiologist who um kind of checked my heart pressure because when I was admitted it was like in this deadly range my heart pressure was I had um an infarction which was where part of the lung died because there wasn't any blood flow. That was probably the most painful symptom that I had. Like I knew something was going on in the, like my chest cavity in the back, like by my ribs, like it hurt so badly. I'm like, I don't know what this is. I cannot figure it out. That, that lingered a little bit longer. And I just actually had a recent scan and um, it started about the size of a plum at the beginning of things. And now it's down to about a quarter. So, or less less than a quarter is what my pulmonologist said. So she's like, I don't need to see you anymore. It, it should heal. You might have scar tissue. Um, but I was released from the cardiologist. Like everything was normal there. There was no damage. Um, I had initially had like right heart failure and all these pulmonal, like all these things going on. All of that's resolved. The clots have cleared. Um, the blood work was interesting, though. Um, that revealed I had like a protein S deficiency. So what they think is protein S plus birth control equals blood clots. And I'm like, so when did this happen? You know, Kim, I'm not on, but I'm, that's exactly, I was found to have a protein S deficiency many years ago and my um, OBGYN said I could not be on, on birth control anymore. That's so interesting. So birth control, like he's like, stop that right away. Um, and my question was like with the cramping, cause it started as a DVT in my calf. And I'm like, is, has this been happening? Like how, how, cause like every race, like I've had to travel, I've been in the car for a long time, like all of these symptoms. And I'm like, have I been, have I been experiencing this for every, all this time? And he's like well we don't know we can't really say and I'm like man has this have has this really been like the thing that's prevented me from having the race that I hope to have so I, I, I don't know and no, no one can definitively say that but um 
it's just crazy. I'm just really thankful to God to be alive. Like just to know, and I've heard about so many people who've had blood clots recently. Um, I think recent, just recently Sage Candidate, I think has had one, um, Patrick Cutter, he's a friend. He had, I'm like, these people are like, you do what I do, but you don't, you're not on birth control. So why did you get one? You know, like, how does this happen? Um, but it's just, it's just fascinating. Um, but I just, so I've taken the last year to just really fall in love with being able to run. Like there's no goal. There's no, there hasn't been any races. Like I haven't missed out on much of anything. So that was cool. Um, but I am definitely slower. Like, I don't know if it's the mental barrier of me, like not wanting to push myself. So I feel myself hesitating a lot. Um, cause I still go run by myself. Like I ran 180 miles in May because I'm crazy and it's the most I've run in a really long time. But I, I have discovered that I just, I love running because of the way it makes me feel and that I believe it saved my life because had I not been running the way that I ran, like, would I have known all the things and what was wrong and what was not like, this isn't right. Um, but I, you know, been running trails more. I did a trail race a little while ago, like just finding different things to do. I have, I use my Peloton app. I don't have the bike yet, but you know, I'm just really trying to be committed to taking care of my, my whole body. And so that's been my, that's been what's up since 2019. Like just, huh. Talk about burying the lead. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kim, that is um, really, um, that is, you know, we talked about grit and now this, as you know, you've been through so much, you've accomplished so much, but you've, you've been through so much. And I think um, we can both appreciate that sentiment of now being grateful to run because we can run. That's really, um, that's really important. For sure. And the way you're approaching your recovery and the way that without even realizing it, you found new ways to love running without beating yourself up for not necessarily chasing the same goal you always have been, but instead you're looking at other goals. And, and that's such a great lesson for anyone returning from a setback. I mean, this is a major setback. It can be applied though to a runner returning from injury or anything where maybe their body isn't quite the same and one day it will be, but in the meantime, don't beat yourself up about it. Instead, find other ways to enjoy it. So I think there's a lot to be learned from that. And thank you so much for sharing that. We also want to ask you, um, you are a black female runner in a space at the start of the Boston Marathon, for example, where there is very little still diversity. So whether you like it or not, you are a role model, you represent. So talk to us and tell us what that's like for you and what do you think can be done to change that? You know, I think the, the thing that um, you notice, but when, when you're not even really trying to notice, like who's around you and, and who's in your environment. And um, you just kind of look around and you're like, I, I, it's not, it's, it's easy to, to see the people who look like you in, in the crowd. And so I think, you know, there's kind of sometimes a, a silent, hey, you know, I see you over there. Or, you know, I think it's just kind of cool to be present because everybody can run. Like everybody has the, the space and opportunity to do so. 
Um, but I do think that that it's changing. You know, I think that in the past couple of years, more voices have been amplified and um, there are more black people running, you know, they're fast and, and at different paces, you know, and I think, you know, from the people who are maybe consider themselves back at the Packers, you know, or whatever, like, and to the very fast people, I, there's so many different people that are changing the landscape of, of distance running, um, distance running, triathlon, like biking, like all cycling, swimming, all kinds of things. It's not just running, but, you know, Boston, particularly, I know that they're, that we're out there, you know, so it's, it's in the past couple of years, you know, I, I think seeing myself there and being an example of, you know, just grinding it out and putting yourself in the position and being around people that can, can pull you into that space too is, is really helpful. So. Well, you are definitely an inspiration. Uh, Your story really resonated with us from your journey to Boston, your experience at your first Boston to overcoming a tremendous setback and you truly are a role model. And when we asked you to come on the podcast, you, your response was so cute. You're like, I don't know. I don't know why you'd want me on the podcast. And clearly you don't realize how amazing and special you are. So um, you're humble, but we're glad that we were able to share your story um, that you were able to share your story on our podcast because we have no doubt that you will inspire a lot of our listeners. So Kim, as a busy teacher and mom, thank you so much for taking the time this evening to speak with us. We're super grateful. And if there's uh, one party question we have for you, uh, just tell our listeners who are feeling a little bit uh, perhaps uh, unmotivated why they should be motivated to run today on Global Running Day. Oh my gosh. You just, all it takes is a mile, just one mile. Even if you just run, walk it, like I think running is such a healing activity for me. Like it's just, I can, I do my best thinking when I run. It's a way to clear my head. It's a way to just kind of re-energize and get the blood flowing. Like it's really sounds really corny, but I really do believe it's one of those things that I could just do anytime, any place. Um, but, you know, just I think there's a whole world of people that enjoy this sport um and it's worth it it's 100 percent worth it so yeah well thank you so much kim van acker we look forward to hopefully meeting you someday in person given that we're not that far from each other but no. in the meantime we wish you well on your journey and uh we can't wait to to see what you do next so thanks so much and we'll talk to you soon thank you thank you thank, thank you. you kim bye Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.